0: to bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Greetings, beautiful soul and magnificent citizen of planet Earth. Welcome back to the Mastermind, Body, and Spirit show. We have another fantastic episode for you today. We have jennifer doom on and we are talking about liminal dreaming exploring consciousness at the edges of sleep this is a fantastic episode especially if you like uh lucid dreaming if you're interested in altered states uh the subconscious mind we talk about um the difference between and what are the hypnagogic state and the hypnopompic states We talk about the Oneroticum, which is like a dreaming type of network. She goes in to explain it. We talk about liminal dreaming and the difference between lucid dreaming. We talk about uh, the book Hypnagogia. We talk about a lot of great resources. We talk about dream tripping. We talk about, oh my God, I'm just looking at the notes here. Uh, There's so much that we cover. We talk about tools to help you um, lucid dream or use liminal dreaming more easily. We talk about the art of active imagination. There's like 40 things here. We talk about uh, the the Tibetan monk, Bardo, there, there's so much stuff in here. So I know you're going to love the episode. It's so jam-packed. If you want to support and share, um, please Share this podcast, on. Uh, take a screenshot, share it on Instagram, tag me at Matt Belair, let me know where you're listening, uh, share on Facebook, that helps, leaving a review on, on iTunes really helps, thank you for all of you who have done that, and uh, thank you to everybody who's tossed a buck in the bucket at Patreon, if you go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair and even toss a buck or two bucks in a month, it really goes a massive way, it saved my butt a few times, so thank you so much to all my patrons to, uh, for your support to help me live while I do this podcast. Um, at least, you know, aid a little bit. Um, it helps. Um, so thank you guys so very much. Um, if you want to, um, oh yeah, but the best thing you can do for sure is do one act of kindness today. If you like what the podcast talks about, if you enjoy the content, please do one act act of kindness today for anyone, anything, pick up a piece of trash, um, give somebody a kind word, get someone's name, just anything, do one kind act today, and it is the best way that you can support the podcast. For those of you guys who are interested in coaching, I have actually developed some new coaching programs, I have some old ones I work with, but I'm basically working with two types of people, the first one is if you're looking to really move toward your soul purpose, your life purpose, a life with more meaning, and how the heck can you create um, a life where you are following Following your life purpose and your soul purpose, but pay the bills. So if you've never even thought about that, or you're thinking about transitioning, um, I have a 12-week course for that and some other stuff. And as well as you CEOs, peak performers, um, all you kind of guys that I've worked with for a very long time in different fields. um, If you want me to speak, do some training for your staff, or do some one-on-one, whether it's like uh, vision boarding, strategic planning, whatever the case is, I love diving into um, individuals, to projects, to companies, doing training, working with the staff, and then integrating all the of these peak performance flow state consciousness law of attraction all of the stuff that actually works so um, it doesn't matter where you are in the process you could be a a beginner and never even consider this stuff or at the top of your game all of these uh, techniques are super simple and extremely applicable and they work across the board Um, you know I've worked with uh, people who are have never even considered it we build them from the ground up and create because it's really just like asking the right questions doing the work and you can really create immense progress in a short period of time and those people who have like a very refined vision but you're looking to get that extra like one percent or that point one and that's what really the world of sport and extreme sports and flow state is about is achieving your absolute highest potential so whatever category you're in i'm happy to help just make an inquiry at matt at com or uh or um, MattBelair.com forward slash coaching. Let me know a little bit more about you and your organization. And um, I love working with you guys, getting out in the field and um, co-creating some extraordinary projects. So that is that. I want to thank my podcast sponsor and partner, the Himalaya Podcast app. They are super easy to use. They're free. um, And it has every single podcast you might be looking for. It has personally curated playlist made just for you by the experts over at himalaya and there's collections and you can follow listeners and you can interact with the community it's such a great way to explore podcasting because podcasting is really exploding so you know i'm always listening to shows over there and uh really great like hack that i've been sharing here and there is just like you know find the shows that you like turn them at 1.25 when you go to the gym ideally some of you out there are listening to my show at the gym staying fit going for jogs doing what you do But that's where I get a lot of my podcasting in is on drives and at the gym and when I'm jogging. So, um, you know, if you want to really absorb that content, some of you can listen at 1.25. Some people listen at 1.5. I, I do that sometimes, but that's a little bit much for me. I, I find I can really, you know, get a handle of all the information at 1.25. So just a little trick for you. Make sure when you're over at the Himalaya app, um, you can download it at, at any the Android and the iTunes store and uh, follow the Mastermind Body and Spirit show once you're over there and just send an so that about wraps it up um, sign up for the email list all that kind of good stuff and before we get into it let's just come to a state of peace and coherence so wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath for a moment now just let it out feeling yourself with energy peace, contentment, self-love energy ready to take on the rest of the day and get into this incredible episode with Jennifer Dumper. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is a San Francisco based writer, lecturer, and consciousness hacker. She is the author of Liminal Dreaming Exploring Consciousness at the End Edges of Sleep. She is the founder of the Onoronauticum, an international organization that explores the phenomenological experiences of dreams as a means of experimenting with mind. She also teaches the practice of liminal dreaming, surfing the edges of consciousness using hypnagogic and hypnopompic dream states. She has lectured and led workshops at festivals, conferences, and venues worldwide. As an active member of the consciousness hacking movement, she has presented at Consciousness Hacking San Francisco and New York, and the Transformational Technology Conference. She has trained in Yoga Nidra with Uma Dinsmore-Tully of the Yoga Nidra Network and with Richard Miller of iRest Yoga Nidra. Welcome to the show, Jennifer Dumper.
1: Thank you very much. Lovely to be here.
0: Uh, thanks so much for, for coming on the show. That was one of the most challenging <laughs> read I was like I, like, I got 80% of that word, I got 90%, I don't know, so hope, hopefully um, you know, I hit most of it, but you know, your work is super fascinating, I really love um, dream research and uh, altered states and subconscious and that whole entire world, lucid dreaming, so really happy to have you on the show and uh, talk about your work, so why don't we just begin with a little bit about your background and how you got into uh, this type of work and what you're writing about and what you're lecturing about today.
1: Okay. Um I come at it from two points of view, which I, which is often kind of how I roll with these things. I, my undergraduate work, which was in Toronto, and my um, master's work in New York, and my PhD work um, here in the Bay, was on um, myth and religion. And uh, dreams, of course, are a very important aspect of myth and religion. Also, um, subjectively, I am a very avid dreamer. A lot of my earliest memories are dreams and I'm really also, I'm interested in practices. I think that uh, by undertaking practices without concern about you know, belief or alignment with particular traditions, I think practices are deeply beneficial. So I've crafted a lot of my own practices using dream work. So I, I kind of come at it from two different sides, both objectively and subjectively and I started, um, I started crafting my earliest practices with dreams in the early 90s after a really watershed experience with, with the late 80s and I've kind of been lecturing and writing about dreams since. My current work, um, my upcoming book uh, which comes out in May is about specifically liminal dreaming. I'll talk about that a little bit more Um, But I've also done a lot of work with onerogens, which is any substance, scent, uh, practice, food, uh, herb root, whatever it is that promotes really vivid dreaming. Uh, I have a worldwide uh, dream group and I've talked a lot about creating practices. Um, I'm really interested in psychogeography, which is the relationship that people have with space. You know, so the meaning that is imbued in space, and that you can seed yourself. So, I've done a lot of oneric psychogeographical practices, speaking of difficult to pronounce things. Um, and my current work really, uh, as I say, centers on liminal dreaming. Um, my upcoming book, Liminal Dreaming Exploring Consciousness at the Edges of Consciousness, is about this. And liminal dreaming is hypnagogia and hypnopompia, which are the dream spaces between awake and sleep. So hypnagogia as you're falling asleep and hypnopompia as you're waking up.
0: Oh, interesting. Well, yeah, I was going to get you to define those words because I've heard of a hypnagogic before and I, and I think that I knew that it was before you fell asleep, but I've never heard of hypnopompic. And so it, um, can you define some of those other words? Because I think that you use some words that people might not be familiar with. Um, the one is the one that I pronounce in the, in the bio oneronoticum.
1: Oneronauticum. So, the Oneronauticum is a dream group that I established more than ten years ago, and it, the, I, my initial idea—it was just a thing that I started, kind of, for my friends, and it was uh, people getting together in the same space and all using the same Onerogen. These are often herbs, uh, roots, flowers, but also scent. Um, and sound are great onerogens, practices are great onerogens, and the idea was that we would get together and experiment, and often these are things from uh, traditional cultures. Uh, Traditional cultures practice a lot of oneromancy, which is divination through dreams. Onero is the Greek root word for dream. Um, and autocom is a place where things happen. So oner is a place where the dream happens. And we started experimenting with a lot of the things that traditional cultures use. And I kept an online account and database of the onerogens with which we were exploring. And this was kind of heady earlier days of the web, and people just found it, stumble upon, found it, and then this uh, Mexican. Um, site called Pajama Surf found it. And it ended up turning into like a worldwide phenomenon. So when I would do an Oneronautica, and I still do them, haven't done one in a little while, but um, so like a couple of thousand people around the world would, would all, use the own, all use the same Onerogen. So for example, and a group of us would sleep in the same place, kind of holding down the fort, people around the world would get the same Onerogen. So for example, mugwort, Very easy to find, very easy to obtain kind of everywhere in the world. It's very traditional in Korean culture to, um, for example, pour hot mugwort on stones and breathe in the steam, or to even take a mugwort water hot bath before sleep to promote really vivid dreams. And you can also just the scent of it is really intense. When you're sleeping in REM sleep, which is uh, when the dreams that you already know about happen in REM sleep, uh, your body is paralyzed so acetylcholine and other chemicals uh, flood your body to paralyze you so you don't act out your dreams but the, but the parts of you that are not paralyzed the senses that you still have are sense of hearing and sense of smell you can hear and smell just well when you're sleeping as you can when you're awake because there's no doesn't matter there's no reason to shut those senses off so that means that scent makes a really good onerogen. So, for example, working with mugwort, we would make mugwort sachets or put it in a, you know, like a room humidifier to make steam in the room or you can just put it in the end of a sock, use, use just fresh mugwort or also use a mugwort oil and sleep with it near you. And so people around the world on the same night would, you know, get mugwort and all sleep with mugwort, and then send me the accounts of some of the dreams that they had, which I've been a database you can find on my uh, website, urbandreamscape.com, has uh, has a lot of those dream reports. Although I'm a little remiss in keeping it totally updated, um, and you know, therefore we would study the effects of different onerogens. Um, it's amazing how much different onerogens produce the same kind of effects in everybody. But one of the things that I love most about the oneronauticum is dreaming is one of the most common freaking weird human culture things. Like everybody dreams and, and always has every human alive now and ever has dreamed. And so keeping like this kind of worldwide dream community where with intention setting and with these Onerogens, we all, you know, dream together is a kind of an amazing experience. So that's, that's in short, what the Onernauticum is. I'm happy to go into that more in depth now or later.
0: Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Well, I know when I was creeping around on the internet years ago, that's probably what I stumbled across because I remember the word being so unique. And I was like, what is this? And that's, you know, like the, uh, yeah, the Greek word for dreaming. and I was like, Oh, interesting. It's like a dream institute. And um, I think there's a lot of different ways that we can go with this. And I'll leave it up to you, but do you want to talk about like a little bit about your book? And I'm also just curious about, you know, some of the things that you're finding and practical tools, like why would you want to remember your dreams or how do you work with your dreams? And I have a lot of questions and some of the best onerogens that you've come up with, um, you know, because it would be a very fascinating place. I remember, uh, meeting some people that were very frequent lucid dreamers and I was for a bit, but it takes me a lot of effort, um, to kind of go in. I really need to be going for it, but then I'll lose dream quite a bit. Um, and it's a very interesting experience. So if you're diving into that realm on a daily basis, um, you're pulling back some interesting information.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so good. Let's let's um, let's bookmark for a second on neuroticom stuff, and I'll talk to you about liminal dreaming, um, and then we can go back to it because there's a lot of narratives that are actually really useful for lucid dreaming and also for liminal dreaming. So liminal dreaming, which is different from lucid dreaming, lucid dreaming happens in REM, which happens in the middle of the night, um, and Toward the end, and liminal dreaming happens at the very edges. So, when you're falling asleep, you go through hypnagogia, and um, that comes from uh, hypnos, uh which is also uh, you know sleep, dream, um, sleep, and gagia which is uh, you know leading toward. Um, and liminal, by the way, comes from the Latin limen, which is the boundary. So, like limit. For example, so liminal dreaming is the dreams that happen at the spaces between awake and asleep. There's actually a space between awake and asleep. So, hypnagogia is when you're falling asleep, and hypnopompia, which is also hip, hypno, hip, like sleep, like, hip, like hypnotize, um, and pompe, which is um, leading away, so like pomp and circumstance, for example. Hypnopompia is when you're waking up. They're extremely strange mind states and brainwave states. Again, I like to talk about things both kind of like objectively and subjectively. I'm a phenomenologist, as you read in my bio there, which means the study of what happens, the study of experience. And so um, objectively, hypnagogia and hypnopomia are super unusual. Most brainwave states, both waking and sleep, so, uh, for example, right now, um, we're probably in beta because we're having a conversation and we're paying attention to it. And the, the, so most um, you know brain stuff tends to be electricity and chemicals, right? So brain states are measured by EG, and that's reading the electricity. And so it measures in sine waves. That's how different um, brain wave states are determined. and um, Uh, Beta is 1440 hertz per second. So 14 to 40 waves per second, right? So we're like paying a lot of attention. And it's, it's it's one wave that determines beta, right? And then if you're a little bit more relaxed, you go into alpha, you start to slow down a little bit and that's eight to 13 hertz. And when you're in like the deepest, deep sleep, um, uh, which is the slowest your brain goes, that's 0.5 to three or four. So most brainwave states have one sine wave. Hypnagog- and uh, like one of them has two. Hypnagogia has nine. And it's also the briefest brainwave state that there is. So hypnagogia and hypnopompnea, unless you train yourself, I mean, I can linger there now for hours, but unless you're training yourself, most people will only spend four to ten minutes, something along those lines, um, in hypnagogia as they're falling asleep. Same thing, hypnopompia as you're waking up. I'll talk a little bit more about hypnopompia. It's a little bit different than hypnagogia, um, and so th- it's very chaotic. It's also got um, uh, as you before you're falling asleep, you're in alpha, and then you after you fall asleep, you're in theta. Theta has is the one that has two two, um, and hypnagogia has some of the brain waves of alpha and some of the brain waves of theta, what this kind of points to and what the experience of it is as well is like a continuity of consciousness. It isn't that you're awake or asleep on off. There's actually this continuity of space between awake and asleep where your brain waves are doing this kind of chaotic thing. So that's kind of the objective of what's happening. So it's extremely unusual mindset. I'm just going to talk about hypnagogia now because it's a little easier to talk about. Subjectively, what happens in hypnagogia, again along this continuity of consciousness, you have all these different kinds of exper- experiences. Uh, hypnagogia and hypnopompia are very poorly studied, partly because they're neither fish nor fowl. You're not really awake and you're not really asleep. So, in, for example, a hypnagogic dream. You are aware of the outside world. You know where you are. I'm lying on my bed. I can hear, you know, the, I can hear the truck go by on the street. I can hear the clock chime and count and know what time it is. I'm also asleep and dreaming. And there are different depths of dreaming that you can have in hypnagogia. One of the few people to study hypnagogia is this guy called Andreas and he wrote a book in the 1980s called hypnagogia. And he talks about the phases of hypnagogia. Um, there's also another great book uh, written by um, our, uh, our homie, Jeff Warren from Toronto um, called Head Trip, that also has a great definition of the stages of hypnagogia. And it sort of starts out as just like points of light you know, and then moves into, um, like shapes and things changing and moves into like just little scenes. You see something and then, uh, moves further into the deeper asleep you get into like dream space. Um, and, uh, and the dream spaces in hypnagogia are not, Narrative in the same way that REM dreams are. They don't tend to be, they can be little mini storylines. They don't tend to be full out storylines. And there doesn't tend to be as much a subject and an object. So it's just things, it's a very psychedelic, kaleidoscopic swirl of your own associations, thoughts, memories, that kind of thing. It's a really, really amazing experience. And you know that you're and hypnagogia when your arm or your leg jerks. So that's called the myoclonic jerk. And kind of what's happening is at the same time that your brainwaves are being really chaotic, um, your body has a little bit of chaos. And so your body kind of jerks. So that's how you know you're there. All right, I just laid a lot on you. Where do you wanna go with that?
0: <laughs> yeah, oh my God, oh my smokes. Well, like I'm aware of this stuff and I was like getting bounced around, It's okay, brainwave states. And then what I'd like you to, um, go a little bit deeper in is to talk about the what was it that you said as nine is it nine brain waves? Nine nine waves?
1: there's nine there's nine uh waves, sine waves that ca- like you know, um these uh brainwave states, EEG readings that characterize hypnagogia and hypnopapia. Um,
0: right. Yeah, that's interesting. So when you're defining um liminal dreaming, uh what do you and you said you could stay there for hours. I'm curious about how you stay there for hours, so that's, that sounds interesting. And why would a person want to do that?
1: Right. Um, so lucid dreaming, as you mentioned, is actually pretty difficult. You can do you can If you're not a natural lucid dreamer, you can teach yourself how to do it. Um, but you have to really work at it. Um, liminal dreaming, on the other hand, which is my phrase for hypnagogia and hypnopompia, is extremely easy. Everybody is a natural liminal dreamer. And when I tell people about this work I'm doing, they often say, Oh, I know that. And now, I mean, one of the greatest things about it is now that you've heard of it, you will have the experience. I mean, it's, it's pretty much guaranteed. I mean, everybody, everybody naturally goes through or hypnopompia um, or both. Um, and so most of us think of it as, uh, as just something you pass through as you're falling asleep. And it's not until you're like, wait a minute, that's a destination that you start to be like, oh, wait, oh, I can actually, I can actually stay here in this space. And like once you train yourself, so my book has a lot of exercises um, for discovering hypnagogia and hypnopompia and for staying there. A bunch of them are on liminaldreaming.com, which is another of my sites. Um, and also yoga nidra is a great way to find your way into hypnagogia if you want sort of somebody else to narrate that experience. So uh, so that's kind of how you get there and how you learn to linger. I mean, I've been practicing this now. It's kind of been my primary practice for the last few years. I have a lot of uh, tips and you know, tricks for staying there. Um, including, uh, I can now, I've taught myself to, to talk through hypnagogia. So if I'm at the beginning of the continuity of consciousness of hypnagogia, sort of more in the middle toward the end, I can actually talk. And what I do is I lie with a voice activated recorder. You can easily buy an app for your phone for a few bucks that's a voice activated recorder, keep it next to you. And then as soon as you start talking, it activates the recorder. So I have hours of me mumbling through my hypnagogia and narrating the dreams. And actually, I've also recently realized that um, uh, when I'm at the, uh, the, the awake end of the continuity of consciousness of hypnagogia, I can type because I can touch type. So the automatic, write, automatic writing, which was like an experience that the Dadaists used to do where you would get into hypnagogia and write, I do with a computer. So I, I get myself kind of into hypnagogia and I just start writing out the dreams. They're pretty great, I could, I could you know, read you a couple of them. And they're slightly different from the ones when I'm talking. Um, so why would you wanna do this? There's a lot of reasons. And again, this is, this is a lot of what my book is. The structure of the book is that the first half is talking about what it is, hypnagogia, hypnopompia, a lot of the science. Um, you know, charts of brainwaves and stuff. A lot of the um, uh, the history and a lot of exercises for finding it and staying. And then the second half is a series of practices built around liminal dreaming. So um, you might want to go into it just because it's it's fascinating. It's an amazing thing that you're mind is doing and i um i speak at a pretty wide spectrum of places uh you know conferences that are um much more about you know dream work or consciousness down other to, to like festivals you know psychedelic conferences that kind of thing and when i'm teaching at some like for example at the azora festival in europe last year i tend to teach something called dream tripping <laughs> and it's basically using hypnagogia and in the same way that people have traditionally used psychedelics for consciousness exploration, this is a fascinating free associative swirl through your own mind, and so you really can, you know, have these amazing experiences of seeing what's in your mind. You know, the kind of endogenous high is something your body naturally produces. Um, there's also something called auto symbolic phenomena, which was developed by a guy named. Um, Herbert Silberer, who was a contemporary of, of uh, Freud's, and what he believed was that in hypnagogia you uh, see your thoughts in the language of image, and you can understand a lot about your thought process. It's different from interpretation, right? Interpretation is associating to try to find hidden meanings, but auto symbolic phenomenon is actually your thoughts in a different. Language, so for example, trying to edit the, uh, one of his famous examples is trying to edit um, a paragraph and seeing and dreaming himself planing a piece of wood. So, auto symbolic phenomena. It's great for kind of understanding your thought processes. Um, it's great for creativity. Really good. So, both Salvador Dali and Thomas Edison, independently of each other. Came up with the same practice to use hypnagogia for creativity. So, um, what they would do is uh, uh, Edison, who invented like everything, two balls, a ball in each hand, um, in an each over like holding the balls over two metal plates. Dali would. Uh, would sit in a chair with, uh, he's very specific about it, uh, a brass Spanish key. And he also held over, um, a, uh, uh, over a metal plate. And then they would go into a hypnagogic state, each person. And then as soon as, and Dali kept a sketch pad next to him and Edison, um, kept a notebook. For writing down ideas. And as soon as they would start to fall asleep, they would let go of either the balls in Edison's case or the key in Dali's, and those would fall into the plates and wake them up. And Dali would immediately start sketching, and Edison would write down whatever ideas he had for inventions. Um, and so a lot of people have used this kind of practice. Charles Tartt, the um, uh, the 1970s psychologist who came up with a lot of some of our earliest ideas, uh, you know, about, you know, alternative culture, consciousness kind of things, um, would do the same thing, but just holding his arm up as he fell asleep. And then as soon as his arm fell, he would start to jot down ideas. Um, so great for creativity. Um. Uh, again, I'm dropping a lot, so I'm I'm just going to keep going, but let me know if you want me to pause. And and, so I'll pause on that one. Do you have any questions about any of that? Uh,
0: No, I think that's fantastic. And I know that Einstein used it as well. And and people, you know, I didn't know Salvador Dali. That's a new one for me using uh, different ways to basically fall in fall asleep, but wake yourself up and then access that state of mind. Some people will, you know, talk about like accessing the unconscious, um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm with you as far as those references. I think where my mind is going is um, do you practice this uh, when you go to sleep as well? Because you're kind of going to dive all the way into sleep. Like do you stall it before you go into sleep? And then the second thing I wanted to ask was um, I know that there's tools on the website and in the book as well. But if you have like a, a one or two top ones and uh, one or two top uh, onerogens, that people could use to assist? Cause I get, sometimes I get emails with all kinds of stuff. It's like, do you use this for dreaming? And I was like, I experiment with stuff, but you are the expert with that. So if I'm going to use, use an assistant, I would like your opinion on what I'm going to use.
1: Absolutely. So um, to get, to get into hypnagogia is easier because you can do it um, anytime you can do it with a nap. You can do it, when you're falling asleep. Um, I tend, I actually do most of my hypnagogia work um, during the day, during naps, because I fall asleep uh, pretty easily. Sleeping is my greatest skill. So I fall asleep uh, quickly and easily. And also if you're doing hypnagogia work as you're falling asleep, uh, you'll remember that something cool happened, but you have a night of sleep kind of between you and the work so often, uh, you don't exactly remember what happened. And it's very difficult to bring back hypnagogic dreams because they're so fast moving and crazy, but, um, but it's great with naps. Um, and so, uh, there's a lot of different exercises. So w- here's one, uh, uh, if you're during the day, when your energy kind of naturally dips, And because of chronotypes and circadian rhythms, which I can explain in a minute if you like, um, uh, we often have an energy dip, all of us, in the afternoon or early evening. So I tend to lie down um, on the couch or on on the bed, depending, or people who fall asleep really easily sometimes just lean back in armchairs, like both Edison and Dali did. And uh, to find hypnagogia, A a really good and easy exercise is something I call the feedback loop. So, what you do is lie back and uh, with an exhale, really relax your body. So, and use that exhale to relax everything and exhale out your energy. And, uh, and something, there'll be something there so maybe you'll start to have the beginning of a little sleepy dream maybe you'll just start to see little points of light maybe you'll be maybe it's your imagination right i mean when it comes to liminal dreaming um i talk a lot about liminal mind imagination as a faculty of perception which it is so maybe it's something in your imagination a little glimmer of something and what you want to do is you want to take your own energy that's keeping you awake and exhale it into that and animate it. So you're waiting for whatever it is. And then it will sort of start to take on its own life in your perception. And you'll begin to perceive it. And you sort of take that in, you perceive it, and then exhale, relax your body, exhale your energy into whatever it is and create a feedback loop between you and the hypnagogic state. You know, you and the liminal dream. It starts to um, kind of take on more of its own life. and You start to feel yourself falling into the hypnagogia. That's a really easy one. Another one, just my, they're my two basic, favorite basic exercises, is something that I call the vanishing point. And what you're trying to do is become aware of the moment that you fall asleep. I can do it sometimes. And actually, sometimes my body falls asleep before my mind does, which is a very weird experience. So what you're trying to do is basically just stay aware of the moment that you fall asleep. So keep your mind awake enough that you don't fall asleep. Um, So if you're starting to fall asleep, just give yourself a little mental juice. But asleep enough that you don't wake up. It's a a slightly difficult line to walk, and I mean, it's really actually hard to find the point when you fall asleep, but through trying this practice, a lot of times you'll actually be able to find the hypnagogic space. And one of the things about hypnagogia, uh, people who take sleeping pills or people who have um, regular relationships with cannabis often have a hard time remembering um, REM dreams, like remembering middle of the night dreams. But um, those things actually kind of help you find hypnagogia. Um, so, uh, so it's it's like again, like I say, once you have realized that it exists, it's easy to find it. Lengthening it out is tends to be more the practice. But those are my two favorite practices for finding liminal dreaming
0: um those those are awesome yeah i'm gonna definitely try try that and i like the idea it's almost like giving me permission to nap during the day which i like because i'm a sleeper i can sleep like through anything anytime anywhere no problem so getting into that but like having a nap as long as i can wake up um it's a really great really yeah, great experience, I think, to to kind of be experimenting with that uh, fringe of consciousness is which is kind of where I'd like to go. But before I do, uh, I, I do want to ask about the – you. Were, I think you're going to go in there with the uh, – the uh, I don't know. Some people take supplements. You call them onerogens. Like, onerogens. Onerogens. That sounds way better. And then the one I'm going to add on is uh, when you wake up, do you do anything as far as that process? Maybe like set the alarm earlier and then see if you can – Uh, whittle whittle some dream time in there or or do you do that
1: so um let's talk about onerogens first that comes from the onero again greek for dream and gen which is to create like generate so onerogens are things that create dreams and um there's a lot of great onerogens uh, both for rem dreams and for liminal dreams and also for lucid dreams um one of my favorites is uh something called Kalea Zakatachichi and um, C-A-L-E-A Um and uh, Calia, you just look up Kalia, you'll find it and uh, it's uh, used by the Chantal people of northern Guatemala and southern Mexico for Oneromancy, divination through dreams and the idea is that in dream realms you go to the place of the the gods or the divinities or the spirits you know culturally doesn't quite map to you know it's, i always try to be careful when i'm talking about this because it's culturally different understanding but anyway you're going to this place where they'll drop wisdom on you but it's really hard to remember dreams and so um the calia is uh helps you remember dreams so um what you do is you um you you can buy it online you be careful you're getting, you want to get a good organic form of Kalia. Um, uh, I used The place where I used to buy it doesn't sell it anymore. And, um, so now I just kind of throw my own. But it's, um, uh, and, and not all these things are completely legal, which I'm discussing, by the way. Um, and so uh, what Kalia does is it gives you incredibly sensorily vivid dreams. So sense of touch, sense of smell, sense of taste. You know, I've read books with red notes in the margins and pink highlighting with Kalia dreams before. You know, books are, you know, difficult to read. And it's one of the ways that people know if they're dreaming. And if you want to try Kalia for liminal dreaming, what you do is you get it and you brew it into the worst, worst, most God awful bitter tea you will ever have in your life. Um, about a heaping teaspoon and not boiling water, steep for 10 minutes. It's really awful. Um, and for liminal dreams, you want to drink it about an hour before you're going to try the liminal dream practice. Um, for REM dreams, just drink it right before. And it's a very nice, weird, hazy, hypnagogic experience in and of itself. It'll be help you. A liminal dream space also help you have really vivid dreams, and also people use it for lucid dreams. Um, another great one um, is something called guayusa, which um, is used uh, by a lot of sort of South American tribes, and it's uh, sort of a it, it's actually um, a cafe, kind of caffeinated. It's kind of strong, but what they the cultures do is you wake up in the morning and drink guayusa and dream share right like the whole kind of drive shares dreams but um if you do if you drink guayusa like every morning uh for a space of time you'll start to find you much more easily find liminal dream spaces and in fact i have a friend who was experimenting um, with drinking guayusa every morning, and his idea was to do it for a month. And he said he had to stop after two weeks because it started getting too disorienting. You know, like what, like what was dream, what was not dream? He really opened up that space between dream and non-dream. Um, uh, I, again, I, I could go on, but those are a couple of my favorite onerogens. There's a, there's a lot of re- there's a lot of really good ones. Now onerogens are so fun because there's such they, it's it's a real Good easy way to find these spaces. Um, you have probably heard of um which its organic form is like red spider lily uh, uh, or white drop crocus. Um, that that piece is also for lucid dreaming, and it's great for community dreaming. This one, acting used for.
0: Uh, Hold on. Call dropped. Shoot. Oh, darn it. See if she pops back in. Mm-hmm. I stop. I think your internet got a little bit dicey there. Oh, one second, panelists. There we go. What do we do here? Hmm. How do I get her back in? All right. Shoot. Let's see if this will work. Try to make host. See if that works. Shoot. Well, that's not good. Hmm. Claim host. All right, I'm gonna pause this. All right, we're back. So we had a little bit of technical difficulties. Um, you are on an epic uh rant of very high quality information. Um, I want I want you to keep going. I don't know exactly where you turned into a robot and then disappeared. Um, but if you could um uh either Geez, when I'm trying to pronounce the names or write them, how do you spell those those things? They're, those are really great suggestions, and I haven't heard of them before. And I was trying to Google them while you were saying them, but I, I couldn't find. I, I didn't know how to begin spelling them. All right, so we're back again after some more technical difficulties. So hopefully, the internet's going to be nice to us. Um, but like I said, you are you're sharing some really high quality info information on, you know, some things that can help us dream. You come onerogens, which is a really cool word. Um, I was hoping you could, I was hoping you could spell a couple because I was trying to Google them as you were saying them. And I, and I wasn't sure what to, I couldn't even begin writing
1: it. (laughs) So um, uh, I was just talking about Kalia Zakatachichi. I found that one. Yeah, that one. Yeah, and uh, let's see. I was talking about mugwort. M U G W O R T. Yeah, that's pretty straightforward. Um, I. It was the one before that where
0: you said your friend was taking it, and uh, he started to. Oh, guayusa. Yeah, guayusa.
1: Uh, Guayusa is um, G. It's either G U G Y U or G. G Y, USA, U-S-A, I should know that.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, well, yeah. From there, I can Google it from there, and I'll figure yeah. it out, and I'll put it in the notes for people so they can, uh, they can, you know, begin to use these things. Oh, yeah, yeah. G-U-S-A-T. Yeah. Okay. And
1: G-U-S-A is also pretty easy to find.
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, G-U-A-Y-U-S-A.
1: That's it, G U A Y U S A. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Okay. Right on. Yeah, those are those are awesome. Okay.
1: Yeah. Great. Um,
0: so you're a bit of a on, a on a roll. On a roll. Is there anything that you wanted to um, continue on with
1: that? Um, in terms of onerogens, um, I, I will say one more thing about um, onerogens, which is sound is also a great onerogen. And there's this guy named Robert Rich who, in the 1980s, in the Bay Area. Um, Composed a bunch of um, electronic music pieces uh, for dreaming, and so there's seven and a half or eight-hour pieces. Um, You can go to Robert Rich if you look him up; you'll see them. My favorite is one called Somnium, um, S-O-M-N-I-U-M, Somnium, and he studied the the also the shape of a night of sleep. You know, there's a there's a chart that you'll see if you're doing any kind of sleep or dream research. That's all the different mind brainwave states that you go through during sleep. So hypnagogia is as it bookends it and hypnopatmia. Those are the bookends of a night of sleep. And then you go through theta um, and then delta, which is the deep. So theta I talked about, which is, you know, most of your sleep, most of our sleep was adults is theta and then down into delta, which is the deepest and then back up the first 90 um, the first actually hour and a half of sleep is um, very little REM and then you start to get a bunch of REM um, we sleep in 90 minute cycles you basically you wake up every 90 minutes um, and you're not usually aware of it because it's just sort of a surfacing and from every time you wake that's a sleep cycle and so Robert Rich studied the um, the basically the night what a night of sleep usually looks like and made an electronic music composition that's designed to sleep by that keeps you in the dream states. You dream in every state except for, for theta. You dream in hypnagogia. You dream in hypnopotnia, You dream in deep sleep. Um, those are weird terrors and some of the weird um, parasomnias, you know, uh, difficult dream stuff happens. And, of course, you dream in REM. And, by the way, REM, the, the brainwave cycles in REM, is the same as, uh, as um, when you're in REM and you're... Uh, and you're dreaming, you can't tell from just an EEG whether someone's asleep or not. Because <laughs> the brainwaves are just sort of doing the same thing. So, that, so sound is also uh, really great as an onerogen. One of the things that's, that's fun and interesting about um, looking at, for example, an EEG hip, of, of hypnagogia is you can, when somebody hears something, there's these spikes that happen on an EEG uh when somebody hears something when they're in hypnagogia um or in theta you know so you you can kind of notice that you can you can even see people on an eeg hearing in a dream
0: that's fascinating and i never even considered like i knew that you could measure the dream wave states but to have somebody measuring the shape of the complete cycle and composing some music to that is a pretty epic that's
1: cool um yeah
0: yeah, that's really interesting stuff. Um, I think that some people have been aware, like I've experimented with uh, binaural beats and things like that too, um, you know, Mostly it's lucid dreaming. That's definitely the popular one. Um, so when you're using this, do you, do you um, recommend people take a dream journal or, or anything like that or go in you know, with an idea like to problem solve? Or what are some other uses that people can use it for?
1: There yeah, well, so problem solving is great. Um, so uh, dream incubation, which is a very, very ancient practice. And people, you know, people have been using dream work to sort of problem solve, I mean, since the ancient Greeks. And you can, um, uh, there's a great dream incubation exercise in hypnagogia. Like you set your intention, what, what is it you want to solve? Um, go into it, like, at the course of a night, go into a hypnagogic state, um, you probably, there's probably like three or four postures you take most often when you sleep, right? I sleep on my side and my arm wrapped around, on the side, my back, my arms above me, on my stomach. There's probably three or four postures you take most often when you sleep. And learning those really helps you with a kind of dream incubation and uh, so what you do is decide what what problem you want to solve what question you want to answer get into hypnagogia in one dream positions and kind of hypnagogic meditate on it and then like literally sleep on it in the morning try to wake up as slowly as possible get into a hypnopic state and then go in one of the pos- your sleep positions and try in and see what comes up and then move around your different sleep positions and see kind of what arises. So people have been, been using the kind of dream incubation practice for really a long time. Um, there's also um, active imagination. So Jungian active imagination is also a liminal dream practice. And you know when Jung uh, and Freud split, Jung went through a period of um, almost a psychotic break, um, chaos. That's when he created like the Red Book and a lot of his art. And also when he came up with the idea of active imagination. And the, the, really the idea, uh, both with active imagination and with dream incubation, is that you already have the answers right you already have the answers to your problem you already know what you need to heal it's also for physical healing um dream incubation has been used for physical healing um and like the healing cult of asclepius in ancient greece we're working with dreams for actual physical healing um and the idea is that you your body has the ability to heal right That's what do you do when you're sick you sleep right and that you can get in touch with this through the unconscious, that you already have the answers, and that when you learn to directly counter the unconscious, uh, things come up. So Jung felt like one of the ways that we achieve mental balance, also uh, find creativity, is through learning to be in touch with the unconscious. And one of the things that's amazing about liminal dream spaces, hypnagogia, hypnopatmia is that you're awake enough that your daytime logical reasoning mind can observe what's
0: happening. Hello. Poor internet connection.
1: Okay. I just I just turned off my video.
0: There we go. Gotcha. You're in. Okay.
1: Okay. Okay. Um and so what what Jung was really trying to do was to uh to guess to learn to actually communicate with the unconscious while you're in enough of a liminal dream space space that you can take away what you've learned kind of in your waking mind so basically you're learning to talk to yourself at these really deep levels so um active imagination is also like a liminal dream practice of Yeah, and also creativity. Like what Jung would do would be to go into hypnagogic spaces and then bring back things and create. So drawing or painting or, um, and it's it's about the process. Like one of the things about getting in touch with the unconscious and with creativity is it's about the process of creating. I I think a lot of people don't exercise their creativity because they think that it's about the end product. And it's not, it's about, it's about, in this instance anyway, it's about process, right? Everybody has inherent creativity. And the idea is that getting in touch with unconscious and then expressing it creatively is actually um, one of the ways that you balance your psyche, one of the ways that you heal both body and mind. So learning to kind of drop down into that space. And one of the, so I talked about hypnagogia, and I haven't talked as much about hypnopompia Um, hypnopomia is a lot harder because you have to have been asleep for a while to get in touch with it so you you as somebody who sleeps a lot probably do experience hypnopomia so there's that morning when you're waking up really slowly and it's like oh i thought i was i thought i had an idea but you realize you've gone back into dreaming. Um, what happens, again, we talked about this, that the course of a night of sleep, usually you uh, wake up, if you wake up naturally without an alarm clock or without cats or kids or whoever wakes you up, um, usually you, you wake up from REM. So you're going from REM into hypnopompia. And so um, it, it's very, when in hypnagogia, your conscious mind is leading. Right, you're going from conscious into unconscious. With hypnopatmia, you're going from unconscious into conscious and usually coming out of REM. So it's your unconscious that's leading. So it's a very different kind of experience. It's much dreamier and driftier. It's much more floaty. But if you have a really short um, chronotype, if you're a, basically if you're a lark instead of an owl, um, uh, then you wake up too fast. So a lot of people don't ever experience it me. If you're the kind of person who jumps up and you're awake. So um, the, the difference between a lark and uh, an owl chronotype is that um, an owl, I'm an owl. I think you are too, is uh, you sleep a long time. You wake up slowly. It takes you a while to wake up. Like morning is often a little confusing. Um, and the, when you work, the longer you work, the better you get at the work, and you can work for long stretches of time. If you're a lark, oh, and you're also usually like the last person like up at the party. Um, a lark, larks tend to fall asleep earlier. They're the people who go to sleep sort of at the beginning. Um, they, uh, they are best when they start working. That's when they're freshest. Um, they wake up immediately and bright-eyed. And um, for larks, Uh, And they often have a hard time remembering dreams, by the way. So um, hypnagogia is a great practice for somebody who's a lark, who wants to explore dream life, because they don't really remember REM dreams so easily. And hypnopompia is wonderful for owls. It's a great, because it's really, really easy if you have an owl chronotype to surf the edge Of um, of hypnopompia. Um, Hypnopompia is really hard to study because again you have to have been asleep for a long time for it to happen and not everybody kind of comes through it but it's also an excellent bridge to lucid dreaming. There are some practices that are about using both hypnagogia and hypnopompia to access Lucid dreams and kind of the most traditional lucid dreamers who are Tibetan Buddhists um, actually have developing your dream skills as a way of bridging consciousness into the lucid dream space.
0: Wow. Well that yeah, that's an incredible amount of epic information. You know, all all of that is, is super interesting. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and what I like about it is that most of the conversations around dreaming are either on dream recall, lucid dreaming, um, you know, not really the understanding or the practice of, you know, taking naps during the day and using the liminal states as you refer to. It's a much much better word for liminal state than the hypnogogic and hypnopompia or um, so I like those. So the, what I want to ask you is like a couple things first to, just to talk maybe a little bit about yoga Nidra, because I know that you've uh, trained with some pretty high level people and that's part of your practice. And I think a lot of people are very curious about, uh, what that is, why you do it. What are some techniques, you know, how does it help? Um, if they want to do it, you know, what should they do? You know, breathing and breathing patterns has, has come up so often over the last three years. It's really exploded. you know, no one was talking about breathing. Now everybody is doing some sort of breathing practice. And, uh, I think it's, it's yeah. good because breath is life. And no matter which way you're doing it, you're connecting to your breath and it's a positive practice. So touching on that. Um, and then I was also curious about, um, just your thoughts on consciousness and the nature of consciousness, because, you know, I think that. Uh, most people believe that the only consciousness available is the one that wakes up and do, does the tasks and worries and stresses and, you know, does all these things and, and, and has to take care of the bills. And that's one level. But you could also do that from a peaceful mind. And I think that's a different state of consciousness. Um, but it's definitely a different state of consciousness when you're asleep. And it's definitely a different state of consciousness, you know, when you're in between those things, and we can measure the brain waves, So um, it's a little bit of a deeper question. But that that's one I kind of wanted to send your way. And and get your thoughts on?
1: It's a great question. Consciousness exploration is kind of the primary thing that I'm doing. A lot of things you can do with liminal dreaming, um, but for me, I'm really looking at, so again, phenomenology, I'm really looking at what's happening in experience. I'm so much more interested in experiencing the dream state than I am in interpreting it for how is it relevant to the waking mind, right? There's a whole, I mean, experience is experience. And if you learn to have a kind of a consciousness while you're in dream state, lucid dreaming is one way, liminal dreaming is another and my kind of, kind of my favorite. Um, you, you realize that you have this whole world of things happening in your mind that you access very different states of consciousness so you know in a lucid dream your waking consciousness breaks through in the dream world um and you can control some but it's still this like the the concept we have right now when we're talking to each other liminal dream consciousness is is different right it's a your the experiences you're having are very different the way that you think is very different the way that you're experiencing is very different it's just a, it's a really crazy experience to have, Um, and a lot of things arise in it. And I mean, like, what is consciousness? You know, people in consciousness studies call that the the hard question, right? You know, is it, you know, is it just the brain? Is it, you know, some sort of force outside of the boundaries of our skin? Is it something that develops with greater complexity as, you know, as our mental states become, as we become, you know, more intricate and complex and if so, what does that say about technology and consciousness? I mean, these are all very intense questions. Um, and so when you learn to explore the hypnagogia and hypnopompia, you're really having a very different experience of your own consciousness. And that, I mean, it opens up more questions than answers, but it opens up a lot of questions about being, you know, and about, um, I mean, and it, so, My, um, I write about this in the book, my um, aunt died two years ago. We were very close, she was my godmother. And I, because I have learned to talk through hypnagogia, um, and I had a friend who talked a lot through hypnagogia, and I learned to talk to him through his hypnagogia. Um, When my aunt, you know, I sort of did her deathbed, when she went past the place where she was, had her waking consciousness, she went through a whole, like, weeks of being in hypnagogia. And I, because, I am, because I know how to talk to people in hypnagogia, I was able to communicate with her. And I, then I found out later, uh, just, just kind of by coincidence, um, the place where she died in, in a hospice in Buffalo, the, the, the guy who was the director of this hospice, Christ, Dr. Christopher Kerr is his name, um, actually gives talks about this, about how dying people, go through hypnagogia and it often gets medicated because people call it um, hallucination, right? People, you know, the people's families and my own family was like, Oh no, dear, you're not with, you're not with Ziggy Stardust at the movies, you know, or what, you know, and she here, she was telling about her neighbors and their dogs and, you know, she's, you know, with Ziggy Stardust, you know, with, you know um, and, you know, it's not a dementia or whatever. I mean, just dying. And so his whole riff was like actually edges of, of death. I mean, the liminal even kind of between life and death, you're going through this hypnagogic zone, right? I mean, and so the idea of developing your hypnagogic consciousness with even that, which with even the, the edge between, you know, Alive and dying is a very intense way to think about consciousness So it brings up a lot of really intense questions about consciousness. That's a lot of what I'm Exploring. I mean, that's the stuff that really primarily turns me I mean the creativity stuff is great and and was a surprise to me, you know When I had already begun these practices, but but yeah, it's it's consciousness studies is really kind of where I'm at with this and yeah It's trippy.
0: well it 's really fascinating what you 're saying about your aunt and, and being in that state because i 'm um, not sure if this is true one hundred percent, but I heard that when the Tibetans are doing you know their meditation and they 're dreaming that part of that is the idea that if they can stay conscious through what is primarily unconscious, you know like our sleep and you know the different brain waves that when they pass they 're able to going to be able to consciously Pass over and that's going to have a big effect on their transition and their ability to take memory beyond death and all those kinds of things
1: right the bardo so the tibetan buddhists talk about the bardo is the space between um death and rebirth right sort of the ultimate liminal zone and one of the reasons that they again you are sort of the most traditional lucid dream practitioners and they you learn to lucid dream through liminal one of the primary reasons that they undertake these practices is to keep your wits about you during the bardo when you're kind of um, drawn toward rebirth and there's either like very scary demons or very attractive visions that are trying to, you know, draw you back into rebirth and the, the longer you can keep yourself in a meditative kind of calm space and in that in that dream world or in that between world, the better rebirth you'll have. And so, yeah, they have, they, they talk a lot about, you know, dream practices as being kind of training for the Bardo.
0: Yeah. Super interesting. And then as you're saying that, do you know any other cultures or scientists or organizations working on studying this uh, level of consciousness to the level you're kind of uh, moving into it and exploring it? Did you catch
1: that? Oh, I froze. You froze again. Um, Can you hear me? Not Yeah. Okay. So yes, um, there's a, there's certainly people have studied lucid dreaming um, in terms of like working with like fear and working with um, between zones. I mean, when it comes to the actual, Death, rebirth, not as much. Um, You did bring up Yoga Nidra, um, and one of the reasons that I love Yoga Nidra is that I, I experience it as a liminal dream practice. So, what you're doing in Yoga Nidra is you are listening while a teacher leads you through a Nidra, right? So, they lead you through different schools, have different approaches but basically you're you're using body scent moot, rotating consciousness through your whole body and uh, balancing opposites and you know a bunch of a bunch of different aspects and to be brought into this really deep space which again i i would call a liminal dream space i i try to think that there's yoga nidha, there are some yoga teacher teachers who say oh, Oh yeah, that's great. What you're talking about is great, and there are some who say no. It's that's just your thing. That's not what we think is happening here, but it certainly is how I experience it. Um, and if you've gone to a yoga nidra class or done any of it, you usually will find yourself in a really, really deep, deep space, which is the hypnagogic space for me. And there's a lot of study, especially through um, iRest, rest, uh, about working with yoga nidra for PTSD, for, um, you know, people who have fear experiences, for um, end of life, for pain management, all of these kinds of things, you know, which is, which is sort of using, again, using sort of the liminal dream space for those things. So, and so they have worked with end of life um, people with yoga and nidra, you know, you go into these spaces And learning, I mean, basically it's the deepest, it's kind of the deepest relaxation you can get because your body is as relaxed. It's asleep, your body's asleep. It's as relaxed as it gets, you know, and then you still have some sort of, you know, mental ability. Um, In terms of lucid dreaming, I know um, Stephen LeBash and his institute and then some other people have also worked with lucid dreaming, again, for PTSD, end of life issues, you know, that kind of thing, because you can learn to work with fear, um, because you're uh, both PTSD and, and sort of obvious reasons to so kind of control the dream. You learn to control the fear. And then that's something that you can carry into your waking life. So it does have that kind of overlap.
0: Amazing. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. It's an interesting concept too to bring up the idea of um, controlling fear in the dream and then bringing over that uh, awareness or knowledge into life because it's ideally the same thing. And um, I heard and I think that it's true that there's no difference to your brain or consciousness when you're dreaming and you're in a dream or in real life. And the same thing through visualization when they're, um, you know, Olympic sprinters, they they tie up, you know, do all the neurons in their head or whatever the heck they do, the brain mapping. And when they're visualizing the sprint, actually the same parts of the brain are going. So in a deep sleep, you're kind of like um, in this dream. And I've, you know, I've had uh, Tom Campbell on the podcast a couple of times, who's a uh, leading physicist on simulation theory and talking about simulation. um Some of the work in physics is going to, and talking about the hologram, you know, that's formed from the black hole, which is very interesting stuff. And I again, I'm just looking at these concepts from like, here have no idea what's going on but i you know i was like that's an interesting idea um and then also had a native american on who said the same yeah it's like in our world you know we believe you're (laughs) in some sort of like hologram reality and so dreaming and reality like it it feels so real when you're in the dream and when you're in life it feels so real but i think that A lot of people aren't having a very fun dream. They're not having a very fun experience. It's a very challenging one, but um, I'm not sure what the limits of this reality are, the limits of consciousness, and how much we can influence our reality versus what's happening to us. But we can definitely influence our state of mind through experiences, so um, that's just my rant. Do you have anything to add to that? I just wanted to say that.
1: Yeah, that's a a great one. I love that one, and and there's something that I I tend to call um, the spectrum of the real right? So, I mean, obviously, if a safe falls on your head, it's going to kill you, no matter how positive you think about the world. Um, but on the other end of the spectrum, like when you're like in love and, you know, you know, getting some good action, whatever you look but everyone agrees, everyone, oh, you have that glow, right? Everyone agrees, right? So you, you can look at the spectrum of the real, where at one end, obviously, the way that you're Mindset is is determining what happens to you in the world, right um, so there's the spectrum of reality, and to what degree is what's happening in your mind? I mean, so like um vision, right a vast like a huge amount of vision is actually imagination, right? So imagination as perception. This is a thing I like to talk about, and we you know everyone says seeing is believing, but in fact. We, um, you know, vision is super complicated. We're we're taking in so much that our mind has to filter and interpret, it, right? So you have to, you you have to be filling in with your own expectations and imagination what you're seeing. So in fact, seeing is also uh, largely determined by imagination, right? So if you if I walk down the street and you walk down the street, we will remember different things. So, I mean, in a sense, we're moving through different worlds, right? So there definitely is, I mean, again, if a safe falls on your head, it's going to kill you, right? I'm not, I mean, I know this, um, there's, there's, a very, uh, there's a very strong idea in some parts of the culture, like the create your own reality, right? And there's a certain degree to which that's just, if you're from a war-torn country, that's, you did not create that reality, right? But there's this, there's this whole space on the spectrum of the real where Whatever you're doing to affect your own consciousness is really affecting your own experience, even to the degree of what you see and what you perceive and what you take in. You know, and when you, start to do, when you start to explore your own consciousness through dream work, for example, or all of the myriad other ways that people do it, you start, to, you start to understand these things a little better and think, oh, okay, I'm co-creating some part of this. How does that work exactly? It's, it's, it, it can get pretty weird.
0: Yeah, I imagine, especially if you're exploring those other states of consciousness. And um, I think that's what the value of. And I like what you said earlier in the podcast where you said, like, it's more about the process and it opens up more questions and answers. And, you know, when I've done uh, had really, you know. Crazy dreams or. Um, when I had like uh you know an ayahuasca experience or different things where I thought I was gonna get an answer, I just got more questions, way more questions. And so I think that you know, and in for my my life path and what I've pursued, it's more about like getting into like the reality that I'm in now and what I can do as far as like entheogens, like what do I create within my body? How do I explore my own consciousness and inviting the process more than seeking the answer? And um, I love I don't know where I heard it from, but it's just like living more fully in the mystery. And that's part of the, like the awakening process of, you know, when people say, oh, you're awakened or I don't know how you would define it, but there's certain people out there that would know that they have no flying F. What is going on here? It's just the mystery <laughs> is so profound and they know for sure that they're not going to know the biggest, deepest questions. They'll know something. They'll know a bit of a bit of a bit of a bit, like a little fractal, you know, but a lot of people are going around like they know something and they keep seeking, like they're going to find out. But if once you find out something, then all of a sudden it fractals into like the craziest thing. So you just, <laughs> it just explodes. You're like, oh my God. And so- Part of that challenge is to be okay in the mystery and I really like what you said about the process is like it's not about the end result It's just about the creating and not not creating this piece of art So it's a the end result is you get 49.95 for your piece of art and then you make it into a business and then you've become enlightened Although all of that would be swell. It doesn't seem to be working that way And if we can immerse in the process, I think that's where the value is for our growth here.
1: That's beautifully said
0: cool Thanks. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know, this has been a very fantastic podcast. I'm really excited to read your book. Um, it's, it's, you have a very interesting background and very knowledgeable, you know, from your researcher background and um, a different take in dreaming that people aren't really discussing. And I think it makes it accessible for people. And I think there's massive value in exploring other states of consciousness. A lot of people have told me, you know, I can't dream, I can't do this. And this is an easy way for them to yeah. begin to explore it. So, um, but I want to ask you and hopefully the siren that's going by isn't too loud. I got the good mic trying to muffle it in nice. Um, <laughs> Um, Is there anything that you wanted to share, talk about, or you wish that I'd asked? You can feel free to elaborate as long as you wish. Um, But anything you would wish that I'd ask or just closing thoughts and making sure uh, you can let people know where they can find you.
1: Okay. Um, uh, In terms of closing thoughts, I mean, really, I I love that you are uh, kind of closing on this point of consciousness because that's, I mean, we're astounding. We humans, you know, our capacity for consciousness and for questioning our own and exploring our own experience and our own minds is, I think, like the most remarkable thing about us. And the exploration itself really is the point, right? I mean, there's uh, exploring what's happening in your own mind. Um, there's a, and by the way, there's an image that I that I wanted to give you. Um, that, so if you think about consciousness as like the land, right, and you think about unconscious as like water, those are those are images that often get used. The place where people surf is where water hits land, because that's where it's chaotic, right, and that's where it's chaotic makes waves. So it's a great image for like this hypnagogic and hypnagogic where there's like nine different you know brain waves. It's chaotic so it's like basically you're surfing the edge of consciousness right like finding the place sort of between awake and asleep and like being able to stay on it for a long time and seeing what arises and it's going to be different for everybody because it really is a tour of what's in your own consciousness that's what what that what you're going to experience in a liminal dream state so i mean really to explore your own mind and go into these places is, is really my, that's, that's why I, that's what I kind of hope people most do. And I always, I love when people tell me that they've come up with their own practices or their own exercises, using liminal dream work to try to explore what their own minds are, because that's really, I mean, you should take it and make it your own. Everyone should always take it and make it their own, right? I mean, there's, there's great teachers and masters out there, but you're the one who knows your own mind and you should always kind of be your own Master. Um, in terms of how to find me, um, my book, Liminal Dreaming, comes out at the end of May, but you can order it now anywhere you order a book, your local bookstore, or Amazon, or ABE, or um, you can order it off the Penguin uh, website. Um, so, anywhere, Liminal Dreaming. Uh, UrbanDreamscape.com is my main. Websites. Um, it's I've got a few different ones. I have one for the Oneronauticum. I have one for Liminal Dreaming. I have one for some of my psychogeographical or ne- oneric practices. Um, but they all jump off of UrbanDreamscape.com. Uh, and I actually uh, tweet a dream a day, and I've been doing that for a decade on Twitter as Onerifer. O n e i r o Dream. Fur, which is what most people call me, F-E-R, Fer, Onera Fur. And so it's a, it's a lovely little uh, dream journal. And it's, I've got good 10 years of dreams going back. And, they're, they're, you know, that's actually pretty fun to read. And on Facebook, Liminal Dreaming is um, my page.
0: Amazing. Awesome. A decade of tweets. That's like you're like the OG of Twitter. That's,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, true. that's as
0: a side note. Uh, pretty amazing. much
1: every day, too
0: yeah wow well, you know that's you know all of this is really fascinating stuff, and it's a take on it that's not very common, so I think there's a lot of value and you have a lot of research in it and I think um you know people will take it up and just explore just a few of those ideas like uh you know like you said um uh, I didn't know Salvador Dali did it, I knew Einstein did it, I heard Edison did it i've heard I know friends that use it as a daily practice or or you know a creative creative practice and just the idea of 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 immersing in the process uh so so much really great stuff here and i invite everybody to check out your book check out your work coming out soon published by penguin that's a big deal good for you (laughs) You, you. no i don't think that's a place for slouches so that's amazing um (laughs) so yeah thanks so much for coming on and, and sharing your work and everything you're doing thank you this has been fun it's been a great conversation i've really enjoyed it Awesome. Well, thanks so much guys for watching. We'll see you in the next one. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) All right, all you dreamers. That wraps up this amazing episode with Jennifer Dumpere. I hope that you enjoyed it. You find it valuable. I think it was really chock full of just great insights and practical information. I love practical information. I love the how-to. So make sure you follow her work. Um, Let her know. Check out her book. It just arrived in the mail. It looks amazing. So I'm I'm looking forward to reading that and uh, applying some of these techniques. Um, So it's a really, really fantastic episode. Uh, Share it on your Facebook if you like it. Take a screenshot. Share on Instagram. Leave a review in iTunes toss a buck in the bucket all of that helps if you want to help if you want to support if not feel free to take this information to make your life better that is totally fine too and I wish you all of the best um, what else for those of you guys who want coaching whether you are at the very beginning and you want to move more toward your soul purpose your life purpose creating more income or whatever that goal is uh, I would happily help you out with that I have a very specific program for that I've been working with a lot of people and for those of you guys who are a little Little bit further in the process maybe you've already created your business maybe you're a high performer in a company maybe it doesn't matter what the case is but you want that little bit of extra you want to know the real secrets of flow state peak performance mindset mindfulness how to do it how to get your absolute best how to perform on the spot how to make sure that everything is synergized from like biohacking and all that kind of stuff if you're curious about it and you want to explore more just hit me up at matt at zenathlete.com or you can fill up the coaching form at mattbelair.com uh, forward slash coaching and I'll happily help you out if you want me to come into your organization you want me to zoom conference some training for your staff do some speaking all of that is on the board just let me know make the inquiry and I'll happily help you out so thank you guys so much for listening I am always just so honored to have listeners listening to this and the support that comes out from the around the world um, so if you're hearing my words I love you and I appreciate you I wish you all of the best please go out today if you like the episode and just do one kind act for another being. Just show that the podcast is working. Um, even better, take the kindness challenge. Let me know that you're taking it. Three kind acts a day for a week. Go out of your way to do it. Um, just be do your best um, navigating this mystery of life and be a good human along the way. So thank you, thank you, thank you. All of my love and support. Have an incredible day, and I will see you in the next episode.